Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I'm speaking to you today about the power of little people. My mm. text is taken from the account in Luke's Gospel of the consecration of Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem, as it is found in Luke chapter 2. In particular, I'm thinking about Simeon, who came to the temple at the occasion of the dedication of baby Jesus and took Jesus in his arms and echoed the words that we have come to call the Nunc Dimittis. I speak about little people and by that I mean those people who are not officials and are not members of the professional classes but are people mm. of limited means and influence and spend most of their lives struggling to make ends meet meet. In my way of thinking, the account of the Advent story found in Luke's Gospel is a festival of the power of little people, of Mary and Joseph, of the shepherds, and of people like Simeon and Anna, whom they meet in the temple. In a world where there is an overwhelming sense of powerlessness and helplessness as those from the ruling classes have found ways even to neutralize, neutralize the voice of the democratic majority. People are not just feeling powerless, they are feeling helpless when it comes to more and more about their own lives. This is the context in which I'm calling attention to the power of the people to say no, to push back, and to resist the will of the powerful. But I have in mind also their power to make up their own minds about what is right and what is wrong, and not needing to wait on the powerful or on their rulers to tell them what is right and what is wrong. I'm thinking about their power to imagine and to dream and to demand a quality of life and dignity for themselves from their surrounding rather than waiting on the handouts from the powerful. People can imagine a new world and have a vision of reality and therefore they, construct, can, can, they can construct another narrative rather than repeat the official narrative of the dominant classes. I'm not only interested to tell you about the power of little people, but to tell you how this power is garnered and nurtured and what is its source. I'm interested to tell you how that power, while it may not seem like much, has partnered with the great historical movements of redemption, of liberation and of justice when light comes to lighten the nations and there is a horn of salvation. I'm going to show how the little people 
make a mark and make a difference for time and for eternity. So let us go to our story and let me point three sources of power for the little people. The first is that their power is one that is rooted and grounded in their faith commitment, which manifests itself in the duty to the rules and traditions and institutions of their faith. You cannot miss this in the gathering in Jerusalem. These are people of very limited means. Some of them live in Nazareth, but they have traveled to Bethlehem and while in Bethlehem have given birth to their firstborn son. And they have walked to Jerusalem on the 40th day after Mary gave birth and they have carried with them two pigeons. They might have carried a goat, except that they cannot afford a goat. So they carry what they have to make a sacrifice and to consecrate their child. Modern people are not going to do such things, except if it is transactional, if they have something to get from doing it. They think these things are foolishness. Yet what we see here is a demonstration of faith and religious devotion. Jesus was being circumcised and being given his name. All these years later, Jews still keep these practices going. They have their bar mitzvah and their bar mitzvah for 13-year-old boys and 12-year-old girls. And that is how they are eligible to read the Torah and to become adults, rooted in their tradition of circumcision and bar mitzvah. We have been told that these things are outmoded and we are but we are weaker for the lack of them with these traditions of our faith these rites of passage grounded in the law of god these people have structured have, have structure in their lives they have a sense of the sacred and a sense of who god is they have a clear sense of their own identity it has made all the difference for them. They are not easily moved and swayed. They, there are other dangers, but they, they have a strong conviction. And the kind of heinous crimes and savage indecencies that have come to characterize our culture of violence do not mark theirs. Simeon is here, an old man, but here he is in a temple keeping up the tradition, being blessed to see the Lord Christ. And Jesus, the Son of God, is there. It is good to dedicate and to consecrate our children and to pledge to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have to stop bringing up our children wild like yellow Lego bees. And we have to renew our practice of our faith in our faith. The onus is both on families and on the vanguards of these traditions. We, the gatekeepers, have to keep the bread fresh so that when the community comes, there is a vitality there. There is a responsibility on the part of families to possess the scruples and the determination of Mary and Joseph and the tenacity of Simeon to keep on coming and to keep on bringing our children. When you have been steeped in these traditions, rooted in God's word, 
nobody will push you around. You will have an alternative consciousness and a deep conviction. The second source is that these are people of the Holy Spirit whose lives are responsive to the promptings and proddings of the Holy Spirit. This is what we see of Simeon, a man of man righteous and devout, moved by the Spirit to go to the temple. A man to whom the Holy Spirit revealed that he would not, he would see the Lord Christ before he died. A man whom the Holy Spirit told that Mary's baby boy was the Messiah. This is not a concoction. This is not made up of hype and noise. But what we see here is authentic. Someone in touch with the alternative source of, of revelation, of insight, and of wisdom. Who has heard God speaking with God. Someone who has entered the sword, the temple, the innermost sanctum, and has heard God speaking with God someone connected with God's doing in history. There is no greater source of confidence and of power than when you have listened to the voice of God for yourself. This openness and responsiveness to the Holy Spirit was not episodical and random. It was something in the deeply private and personal spaces where he was grappling with his own life and death. It was there on a day telling him to go to church today. And it was there when he got to church telling him that this is the Lord Christ. Often those who have been at the watershed, the cusp, those moments in history were persons of the spirit. Our great heroes, Sharp and Bogle and Gordon, were men of the spirit. They were native Baptists who communed with the Holy Spirit. It is what is needed in a world that is post-truth and full of conspiracy theories. We need to renew our acquaintance with God, the Holy Spirit. This is why Simon, Simeon could be so confident. Lord, let us now thy servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen your glory. That is the power of the hidden transcript. You have seen what God is about to do. It is not enough to read classics. All the doctrines and theories have been exploded and we are in a brand new space. Much of what confronts us nowadays has not been seen before. We need for little people to renew, return to commune with the Holy Spirit in these times and to find an uncommon power for the times. This is a space to empty ourselves of ourselves. It is a space to get rid of our fears and to be bold. And it is a space to discover the utterly new and unheard of things of the spirit. The third source of power is hope. Simeon was a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This was the expectation of a Messiah. This was an expectation that had deepened through the centuries, every defeat, and each wave of oppression only served to galvanize 
that expectation of the king that God would set upon his holy hill in Zion and declare the decree, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give you the heathen for thine inheritance and the utmost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt rule them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Second Isaiah first spoke of it after Psalm 2. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, he says, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arm. He carries them close to his heart and leads those who have young. The Syrian general Antiochus Epiphanes IV brutally exploited and oppressed the Jews only to serve to deepen this messianic impulse. And here it was again during the reign of Herod the Great and his clan that has served to cement that messianic hope. Simeon was one of those who hoped and waited for the consolation of Israel when God would comfort God's people, a people solid in their faith, grounded in their openness to the Holy Spirit, and a people with a strong and invincible hope cannot be defeated. They will not be duped by alcohol, bribed by wealth, and intimidated by armies. That hope will flow through their veins like a torrent. This is how little people have their power. It is in their refusal to accept things as they are. The power of the powerful and the privilege of the privileged. They will long for a better tomorrow and a brighter day. They will wait on the Lord's King installed on God's holy hill. This was Simeon who saw in this child of Mary a promise fulfilled. And when he saw him, he saw the purpose of his entire life fulfilled. Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, you have, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelations to the Gentile and the glory of your people Israel. Notice that he gave Mary, the mother of Jesus, something to ponder and to think about. Here you are, a little person, no power of your own, no wealth and capital, no might of army, of guns, no connection with the movers and shakers, but you can move the heart of God. You can touch the Son of God. You can interpret the currents of history. You are not frightened. You are not blown away. You are steady and you're hopeful. This is worth everything. Your heart is settled and your faith is grounded and you are connected to the beat of history. I call you to find your power in your faith, to take your power by the Holy Spirit who has come upon you and find that mm. hope by the love of God shed abroad in your heart. This is how to make your mark. This is how 
to make a difference. Amen.